0: Thank you. Thank you for being here. It's great to be with you. Several of you have asked, and no, David didn't land me one. David didn't hit me. Uh, I've been in Athens with several of our church members at a Rekindle the Flame concert, conference, and I was walking back from the conference center to the hotel and just flat fell out on the sidewalk and broke my wrist. So I look forward to having it set tomorrow, hopefully, and uh, claiming full, full recovery. So thank you for your prayers as we move forward. Uh, I need to go straight to Scripture, so if you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 2, Mark 2, we're going to look at some folks in Scripture, and as usual, we're going to find ourselves right there with it, so with them. Mark chapter 2, it's going to be the first 12 verses, and I don't remember what I gave you, Nick, for the screen. It may be more or less, so anyway, we're doing the first 12 verses. Jesus returned to Capernaum, and a few days later, the news went out that he was at home. Now, you know that Nazareth Nazareth is Jesus' home, but while he was preaching in that whole region of Galilee, Capernaum became his base camp. So he went back to Capernaum, and word got out that he was there. So many people gathered together that there was no longer room for them, not even near the door. They were meeting in a house, a house that probably could hold about 50 people. It was packed, not even room outside the door. Jesus was discussing with them the word of God. Then they came, bringing bringing to him a paralyzed man who was carried by four men. When they were unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above Jesus. And when they had dug out an opening, they let down the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. The houses from what I've studied usually have flat roofs and they were thatched with sticks and branches and stuck together with clumps of mud, sometimes with tiles. So the guys often, um, the man of the house would build a ladder to the top of the roof for, I don't know, maintenance purposes, I'm thinking. Uh, so that I believe this is how the guys got to the top. They pulled up the sticks and the branches, chipped away some of the hardened pieces of clay and mud, made a hole, and let their friend down into... Hmm. Emily and Andrew just had a hole in their ceiling. I, I kind of think Andrew might be able to relate to this. When Jesus saw their active faith springing from confidence in him, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes, and Pharisees, were sitting there debating in their hearts. Do you hear that judgment? Hmm. Debating in their hearts the implication of what he had said why does this man talk that way he is blaspheming and they knew that if if one blasphemes it's punishable by death hmm wonder why he's talking like that he's blaspheming who can forgive sins remove guilt nullify sins penalty and assign righteousness except God alone immediately Jesus being fully aware of their hostility and knowing in his spirit that they were thinking this, see, he just discerned it. The Holy Spirit, the living spirit of God discerned in Jesus for Jesus what those guys were thinking and the judgments they were coming about. And he said to them, Why are you debating and arguing about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up, pick up your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority and the power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, get up, pick up your mat and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the mat, went out before them all so that they were astonished and and they were glorified, and they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. (laughs) I just love that part. We've never seen anything like this. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's look at the people. Let's start with, I'm hanging on, don't worry about me. (laughs) Let's start with the four friends. We don't know much about them. But it's scripture says, when he saw their faith. Let's talk about faith a little bit. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 11. It's called the faith chapter. And we're going to point out, I want to point out just a few, few scripture verses from Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for. Sure of what we hope for. And certain of what we do not see certain of what we do not see verse 6 without faith it is impossible to please God without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists you got to have faith to say I believe in Jesus Christ The Heavenly Father, God Almighty, Jesus Christ, His Son, and the Holy Spirit within. You got to have faith that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And then it goes through. By faith, Abraham was called to go, leave everything and go, and without knowing where he was going, he went. By faith, Abraham, even though he and his wife were past age, they had a baby. By faith, it goes on, um uh, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's son, sons. By faith, Moses' parents hid him in a in a in a uh, in a thank you. <laughs> hid him in yes, in the in the reeds, in the bushes. <laughs> By faith, when Moses grew up, he followed the Lord's will, even though he didn't get to cross over into the promised land. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. When the Egyptians had to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she did what she was supposed to do, was not killed like those who were disobedient. And then there's this whole list of other people by faith. Now, faith. Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. Do you get that? Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There's no glory for God in which is humanly possible. If we can do it on our own, we don't need faith correct? Faith comes in, it begins when human beings' power, when man, women, children's power ends. Faith needs to be activated. Now, these are cool stories, cool stories in the Bible, but I could look around this room, and I could say, by faith, I'm going to call you out, Ted, you can be healed. By faith, Mike Jones is in remission. By faith, Rob Estes chose to live. And by faith, Christie chooses to move forward in faith after, even after his physical death. By faith, there's a family in here that went into complete bankruptcy and is now on fire for Jesus Christ. By faith... Victor Owen, you are overcoming your addiction. By faith, Brad Smith, you're getting a life. By faith, I won't call everybody out. You can relax. But do you hear? But do you hear? Do you hear that when we choose to activate our faith, God responds? God is a good God that wants the best for us, his children. But it needs to be, faith needs to be activated. Remember the the mustard seed story? Jesus said that if we have the faith of a mustard seed like the head of a pin, we would have the power and the authority if it were his will to say, move the mountain from point A to point B, and it would be done. There's another story about a um, mulberry tree. And Jesus said, you can pull up the roots of the mulberry tree, and from what I understand, it's the, the roots go deepest, and it's one of the strongest rooted trees. And Jesus said, if it were my will, then you could plant it in the middle of the ocean, and it would still flourish. Where are you with your faith? And who needs you to be one of the four? Who needs you to hold them accountable? Who needs you to speak life into them? Who needs you to speak a word of encouragement or edification? Or which friend do you need to say, hey, I need help? Which friend do you need to tell, I can't do this on my own? I know right now you're secure in your faith. I need some of what you've got. Where are you with the friends? And then let's look at the scribes and the Pharisees. Did you hear the judgment and the doubt? You see, scribes and Pharisees were were the scholars of the law. They They knew their stuff and had more than likely all of the, the major prophet books of the Old Testament memorized. And their job was to, to be all about the rules of religion. Now, the Pharisees and the scribes thought that sinners were listen to this, anybody who did not, I'll just say it, agree with the law or interpret it the way they did. Hmm. You know any scribes or Pharisees? Scribes and Pharisees considered a person a sinner if they did not interpret Scripture the way that they did. They also considered people sinners um, if they were publicly known to be disobedient or sinning. And also if they were, people were not keeping the laws as strictly and purely as they wanted to enforce. All right, so with all of that in mind, they were seeing Jesus, who remember, he is the Son of God, Son of Man. He is sovereign God Almighty, our help from heaven, our love from heaven. He was there ready to perform a miracle. And these guys are saying, what in the world did, or who does he think he is? because if he does what I think he's going to do, he's going against the law, the rule of religion. They were trying to use human understanding as as their own interpretation of the law. They were stuck in their head. They could not open their hearts and be willing to perhaps even consider what that man Jesus was about to do where are you doubting where are you in your life circumstance where you are so caught up in trying to figure it out that you don't see God in the midst where are you so fearful of other people that you are holding your guard so strongly Where are you judgmental? Or who do you know who is speaking into your life in such a way that is turning you away from God? And by that I mean sometimes people, and a lot of people get hurt by organized religion, sometimes we well-meaning Christians speak words over people that are detrimental, that are um, calling people out for not following the rules. Now, don't get me wrong, we have to hold true to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but are we doing it in such a way that we are not putting people down and we are not saying, hey, it's me, it's my way or the highway? Does that make sense? All right, let's look then at the paralytic. He was trapped. He was bound. He was, he was chained. He couldn't move on his own. Now, Jesus said to him, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, there are many different reasons why people experience illness. There are some that because of the choices that a person is making, because of their sinful behavior, it makes them sick. Now, we don't know what happened to this guy, whether he truly was disobedient to the point where God allowed him to become paralyzed. We don't know if there was, was generations ago something that his ancestors did that continued to pass through sinful generational curses through the ages. We don't know if God allowed his paralysis so that God alone would be glorified and that his own, the paralytic's own faith would be strengthened and then all glory and honor be given to God. We don't know the reason why he was paralyzed, but we do know that Jesus wanted to provide him with complete health. He wanted wholeness for that man in body, soul spirit. The paralytic was chained. He was bound. He could not move on his own. Where are you so trapped in your life? What binds you? What, What are you hearing in your mind, perhaps from family or friends, from co-workers, from the enemy, The liar, the accuser. What are you hearing that says you will never get out of this situation? You will never grow. You will not ever be able to be successful. You will not ever be able to get well. Faith requires action. Jesus told him to get up. In what area of your life is Jesus looking at you and saying, Get up. Take action. Take one step. I've got you. But stand firm in your faith. Faith needs to be activated. There's another similar story in the Gospels. Uh, It it takes place in Jerusalem at the the pools of Bethsaida. There's a a guy who's been paralyzed sitting at the pool. Been paralyzed and and sitting for 38 years years. To me, that means he accepted the fact that, hey, man, this is as good as it's going to get. Life really pretty much stinks. People tell me that if I sit at the pool and the angel troubles, stirs the water, if I can get somebody to lift me in the water, I'll be healed. But hey, nothing's happened in 38 years. Jesus came up to that guy and asked him one question. Do you want to get well? You see, that's how we activate our faith. When when we are in a situation, when we are bound, when we are changed, chained, or when there is something that seems so restrictive in our life, perhaps we need to answer that question. Do I want to get well? I've I've talked about this before, I think, but there are a lot of people, it saddens me greatly, that choose to remain a victim. A victim of their circumstances, a victim of their health diagnosis, a victim of their finances, a victim of family stuff, a victim. And for some people, it is easier to remain a victim, it is easier to remain on a mat, and just kind of say, it's as good as it gets. Instead of choosing to say, yes, I do want to get well. And I will take, activate my, my faith. I will take a step. And then there's Jesus. Healer, king of kings, lord of lords, prince of peace. Our help from heaven. God incarnate. Son of man, son of God, holy and divine, uh, human. All he was trying to do was to help another one of his children become whole. But the guys questioned him. The scribes and the, the Pharisees questioned him. So that whole thing about what would be easier, the question, do you get that? Jesus was saying, well, it'd be really easy for me to just say your sins are forgiven. But you don't believe me. So I want to give you tangible evidence that I am Messiah and that I do have authority and power from my heavenly father. I love this. I kind of hear Jesus saying, hey, just watch. Right? Just watch. Jesus never does anything except what the Father, the Heavenly Father, tells him to do. So I'm sure he was hearing, hey, hey, it's, it's time. It's time for that man to receive his healing. He gave tangible evidence to the scribes and the Pharisees. He, they were able to witness his authority and his power. Who do you know that needs you to tell them? how you have experienced Jesus in your life. Who do you know who needs a witness? At the conference, there was oh, incredible preachers, but uh, our Ryan Brooks was given a little testimony at the podium last night, and this, I mean, this big, burly bishop from, from Mississippi, Ryan would say a word or two, and and I had the privilege to sit next to him, and he Bishop Swanson would say, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. And then Ryan would talk a little bit more, look at my God, look at my God. Who needs to hear about Jesus? Who needs to hear about your God? And it's not like we have to get all organized and sit down and let me evangelize and let me preach at you. It's let me tell you what happened to me, right? Right? All right, and then let's look at the crowd. You know, this story is in each of the Gospels. And in, in Mark, of course, our scripture that I read earlier, it said they were all astonished and they glorified and praised God, saying, we haven't seen anything like this. And then Matthew says, when they saw him, they were afraid. I mean, we were singing, you know, I open my eyes to your wonder. Scripture talks a lot about signs and wonders and miracles. Sometimes we can become afraid because we we can't make any logical sense out of it, right? They were afraid, but they still glorified God who had given such authority to Jesus, the Son of Man. And in Luke, he says, Amazement seized them all. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. They glorified God. They were filled with awe. And they went around saying, we've, been, we've seen extraordinary things today. I believe that extraordinary things are happening every single day. Some of us need to activate our faith to open our eyes to see to ask God to help us see how he is revealing himself, what kinds of miracles he is doing, what kind of wonders, what kinds of signs is he pro- uh, uh, producing around us so that we might be able to know him better. So where are you in the story? I have a sense that we're in each of those persons each of those categories and at different times according to the experience of any given day God wants us to step out in faith or to receive in faith my prayer for you this week is that you will very much consider how do you want to be made well and then you will run after Jesus with all of your heart. Amen. As the band comes up, let's pray. God, you are an incredible God. And there is so much that logically we, we will never understand about you. We're grateful. We're, we're grateful that, that you have sent Jesus to be our healer, our prince of peace lord of our lives i'm grateful god that you sent him to to shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins so god i i just ask that that you help us respond today that your spirit within each one of us would convict us would bring to our attention the areas in our lives that need a healing touch. Show us, oh God, the, the sins that we just have become so complacent about. Forgive us and, and show us how you need to, how you want to free us. So God, we ask that your Holy Spirit work in this place. You are a very personal God. And we ask that you show us today any unconfessed sin, any place that needs healing, any person or family that needs our attention, that needs us to be the, the, the mat bearers and profess our faith. God, don't let us just sit here, <laughs> I pray. Don't let us sit here, but let us, let us move forward boldly in faith. In the name of Jesus, amen. As I was praying, one more thing. You know, he came to me. They said, uh, Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat and go home. Go home. Get that environment in order because now that you are healed, you are a new person. You are a new creation. Your life will never be the same. So go home and get your house in order. Some of us may need to do that. Let's stand and worship.